Ten years ago, Halloween, evil had a shape. Terror had a night. And now, he's back. Six bodies, Sherry, that's what I've seen. Michael Myers is here in this town. Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. He's come home to kill. Halloween 4, rated R, starts Friday, October 21st at theatres everywhere. Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and the trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And first off, we want to say a big thank you to everyone who came to our Hellraiser screening. I know, so... so um. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, I, you know, it. more people turned up than we expected, and it was so much fun hearing everyone's reactions to the trailer reel and, you know, all the melodramatic moments in Hellraiser. It was great. That's exactly how we wanted it to go. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were laughing, and you, you sort of forget how melodramatic Hellraiser yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> basically. It's, it was so much fun, and again, we just can't thank everyone enough who came along. Yes. Uh, we will be hosting another screening, but more details for that will follow in due course. Yes, hopefully. Until then, as the TV spot introduction suggested, we have more fucking Michael Myers for you. And this week, we are delving into the Fawn Court trilogy. Yeah. Uh, so someone, just somewhere... Do you say delving? <laughs> yes. More like diving. <clears throat> diving into a pool with no water. Someone somewhere thought putting Michael Myers in a cult was a good idea. Um, spoiler alert, it wasn't. And uh, this trilogy shows why. This, this is where the, the franchise takes a bit of a tumble. <laughs> um, yeah. Did... John Carpenter come up with the cult thing. Oh, of course because he did not. in the TV, he wrote Sam Hain mm. on the chalkboard. Yeah, do you think he he had any idea about what he, what he, Sam Hain was? But is, this, is this like a real... I haven't done my research. I, I do apologise. I haven't... Sam Hain haven't is... The yeah, that's associated with Halloween and, and whatnot, yeah. But not cults. Maybe. There are some... Oh, something is a word yeah. for Halloween, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So he didn't. He absolutely didn't. He just came up with the sister thing. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. This so, is... they're, they're, they're both messed up. Yeah, this is where it jumps the shark. Um, let's get into it. So, the poll results. Halloween 4 is the winner. Uh, the first round, it got 96%. And the second round, it got 76%. Curse of Michael Myers got 24% in second place. And Halloween 5, uh, you got 4%, but I'm going to tell you, it got one vote. <laughs> it got yeah. one fucking vote yeah. on the poll. Um, I mean, that order is correct. One really undeserved vote. Yeah. So starting off with Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, released in 1988. Directed by Dwight H. Little, who directed the likes of Bloodstone. Robert Englund's Phantom of the Opera. Ooh. Free Willy 2, The nice. Adventure Home, which used to be one of my favourite films as a kid. What, the second one? Yeah, specifically. Oh. Yeah. Oh, dear. Free Willy was my favourite film as a kid, and now look at me now. Papa's Angels. Oh, my God, that joke is older than you are. Fucking hell. Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. Nice. Tekken. Nice. Lots more films. And also episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, Arrow, The X-Files from Dust Till Dawn, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daytime Divas, Drop Dead Diva, Nikita, and many more. Wow. 
So the camp value makes sense. Yes. Uh, with four. Made on a budget of $5 million and it made $17.7 million at the box office. 88. Good film for horror. Good film. Good year for horror. Good year for horror. Meh. Somewhere in the middle. Because 1987 was an amazing year for horror. I think 1989 was a terrible year for horror. I think 1988 genuinely is somewhere in between. I mean, I was born in 88. Okay. No, I don't look here. Thank you. Um, so when they do, oh, do your top ten list of the year you were born. Halloween 4 is number one. Halloween 4 is not number one, unfortunately. Um, I don't think there's much horror in it, if I remember. Was that the Dream Master? Yeah. I'm just bringing it up. I mean, that's a winner alone. Now. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? I think my favourite film from 88 was, uh, Working Girl. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, I've deleted it. Oh, well, that was silly of me. How embarrassing. Um, but I think the, the Blob... The Blob, yeah. I don't know. It was an alright year. It was yeah. an alright year. I think it was okay. Um, Sorry, tangent. Yeah, Halloween 4, I have a lot of nostalgia with this film. And I mean a lot. Um, as much as I watched the first film, I watched this every time as well. It was, it was really weird. It was always 1, 4, 5 and 6 um, that I was obsessed with at first. Because they were the ones that were the easiest to get hold of. Do you remember when Halloween 2 was really difficult to get hold of? And it was just on TV every now and then. No. Oh, okay. Well, that, that was the case. Um, Halloween 4 really gets me in the Halloween spirit. I don't know I don't know why. This one specifically, like the opening where it shows you, you know, this field where the old Halloween decorations and everything. And I don't know. It's just, it always puts me in a mood for scary films of Halloween. I watched the first one and never bothered. I randomly caught part of number four on TV one Halloween. It didn't look too great. I don't remember. I remember it somewhere in a barn. So I actually don't think it was part four. Oh, that's five. That's five. But I remembered it as part four. <laughs> so when I watched part four, I was like, well, where's the barn scene? And now, yeah, I'm just muddled. I'm as, I'm as muddled as the people who wrote the fucking films. <laughs> well, speaking of which... Dwight H. Little did extensive research on the history of Halloween and many of its harvest images were put in a creepy opening sequence. So that's why I feel like it's Halloween. <laughs> Lindsay Wallace and Tommy Doyle, the children Laurie Strode babysits in the first movie, were originally going to be the protagonists for this film. Which would have made sense. They were to be 10 years older and living across from each other, bonded by their experience and subsequent trips to child therapy. But no longer allowed to communicate thanks to Lindsay's overprotective mother. They each would have repressed their memories from the first film, but Michael's return would cause it to bubble back to the surface and force them to confront their trauma. How it all would have ended, according to Etchison, Tommy and Lindsay go on the run to the countryside, away from Haddonfield. It ends up with uh, this tremendous bloody scene at a packed drive-in at midnight. Really incredible, apparently. And the shape is there, and he's stalking and killing people left, right, and centre. Tommy and Lindsay get away, they wake up in a farmhouse outside of town, in the country somewhere, and she's had a dream that starts to bring it all back together for her. So in short, it's not just a slasher film. The story has a philosophy behind it. This might be where um, this might be why there's a teenage character returning called Lindsay. Fans have long speculated that she's supposed to be Lindsay from the first film, but McElroy and others have argued no such connection was intended. Bullshit. The third boy hanging out with Brady and Wade in the drugstore is Tommy Doyle. 
Why would she be called Lindsay? And I know. Not be... Like, associated with the original... Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Like, is Lindsay a really popular name? Alan B. McElroy wrote the script in 11 days and beat the writer's strike by mere hours. Okay. Um, but, I mean, that Tommy and Lindsay storyline with them running away together, I, I don't know. It would have been interesting. I mean, the whole idea is... The driving that... sounds great. I mean, that, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Lindsay had a crush on... Yeah. Uh, Tommy, by all accounts. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it would have made sense. I'm just giving you a little tangent. I do apologise. 1988 was Child's Play. Ah, Sleepaway okay. Camp 2. Oh, okay. It was a good year. Uh, they Live. Oh, wow. Hellraiser 2. Mm-hmm. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Okay. Dead Ringers. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. The Blob. Monkey Shines. What a great year. Waxwork. Wow. Pumpkinhead. Zombie okay. 3. Killer okay. Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> And my personal favourite, Bad Dreams. <laughs> well, no, it's awful. <laughs> oh, wow, that was a good year for horror. It's all right, yeah. At series creator John Carpenter wrote a treatment for this film that had a more ghostly psychological approach to Michael Myers. It concerned the town of Haddonfield and what effect the events of the first two films had on its citizens. This concept was later rejected by the producers in favour of a typical slash affair, at which point Carpenter left the film, making this the first film in the series to have no participation from him at all. Yeah. Uh, in late 1986, the Cannon Group... Of course. Con- of course. <laughs> of course. They contracted Deborah Hill and John Carpenter to work on a screenplay um, for Halloween 4 as they were interested in optioning the rights, much like Cannon had for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Cannon did not like the treatment that Carpenter and Hill turned in and decided not to produce the film. Shortly afterwards, Carpenter and Hill sold all their remaining interest in the series to Mustafa Hakkad who promptly developed this film uh, with a completely new script fashioned around the slasher film boom, the 80s. Yeah, this is quite near the end, isn't it? Yeah, but this is quintessential 80s slasher. Yes, of course, yeah. Uh, In the original script, the opening shot was of a long hospital corridor suddenly blowing up and throwing Loomis from the explosion (laughs) at the end of Halloween 2 in order to show how Loomis survived. It was later decided the film should not have any connections to the previous two films and the explosive opening was never shot. Dwight Little later explained, we decided only to reference the first film. I think the reason why... (laughs) This is bullshit! This is bullshit! What the fuck's he scarred from? Literally, the trailer says about Michael Myers murdering 16 kids. He did not murder 16 kids in the first film. No. Uh, I think the reason was we didn't want to get tied up with a lot of uh, logic police questions with Michael and exactly what happened to Dr. Loomis. Bitch, it references two. Yeah. Alan studied it very carefully. Well, not carefully enough, clearly. So we knew that if we hit any landmines uh, or uh, made any big mistakes, he'd catch it. But I didn't want to be influenced artistically by anything other than Halloween. You're a liar. You're right. an absolute liar. Lies and Manelli lies. This man lied to us several times. Yeah. I mean, literally, you're clearly inspired by Friday the 13th. Yeah. Every know. sequel and the first film. Yeah. And you mentioned Halloween 2 multiple times in this fucking film. Yeah. Yeah, he has a fucking scar on his face. <laughs> he talks about it in one of his massive <laughs> rambling monologues. A scene was filmed to bridge the story of Halloween 2. It was a flashback to the finale of part 2, with a scene where Loomis is being tended to by paramedics. When he sees the burning body of Michael Myers, 
Loomis explains to the EOS technicians to let him burn, but the douse, uh, the, uh, but they douse the flaming body of Michael Myers despite his pleas. This moment was scrapped but added to this year's Halloween Kills, where Laurie says the line instead. Yeah, and influenced an Usher song. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> the mask on the movie poster looks more like the one used in the first two films. Because it's a still from the second film. If they used the mask from this film, the poster would look fucking terrifying. It'd look like a fucking parody. <laughs> Have you seen the poster where they've replaced it? No. <laughs> it looks so stupid. It looked like fucking Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> the mask in this film is awful. It really is bad. <laughs> Terrible. Um, Melissa Joan Hart. If, if I was John, John, John Carpenter, I'd be insulted. But do you know who should be insulted? <laughs> William, William fucking Shatner. Shatner. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart originally auditioned for the role of Jamie. Ah, oh. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. But we wouldn't have Clarissa, so. Danielle Harris. Or Sabrina. Danielle Harris revealed in the 25 Years of Terror documentary that during the scene where she ran through the neighbourhood screaming for help, someone literally called the cops. I was banging on doors, yelling for someone to help me, help me after I got lost trick-or-treating or something. So four o'clock in the morning, they're hearing a little girl screaming up the streets, and someone calls the cops. The cops came, and the story ended up in the inquiry, and I was almost kidnapped off the set. Oh, God. In the schoolhouse... You need to tell someone. I know, yeah. You f- People would be warned around yeah. the area. In the schoolhouse... Then, if you were going to murder a little child at four o'clock in the morning... Just send some letters out saying... Oh, no, yeah. If you hear a chat screaming <laughs> at four o'clock, please ignore. They did not see the camera crew. like. <laughs> yeah, but if you heard screaming... I mean, we yeah, live across from a moor, which is quite an empty mm-hmm. space, um, full of like, trees and shit, and it's no lighting whatsoever. If we heard a little girl screaming in the middle of the moor, we'd call the police. That's true. So in the schoolhouse, Michael's mask appears briefly with blonde hair. Yes. This hair down. Is a tribute to Ben Tramer. Is it actually? No, this no. mask was the original mask for the film. However, it was decided to go with a design with brown hair, resulting in reshoots. The mask with brown hair was chosen to match the star seen in the first two films in the series, with the blonde haired mask appearing only in this scene. For what purpose? Did <laughs> I just cut the scene out? It doesn't really make a difference. No. Similar to Halloween 2, the film was originally made in the mostly bloodless spirit of the original. Then the producers freaked out and demanded more gore. So suddenly, Michael needed to stick his thumb through someone's head, rip another guy's throat out, stab someone with a crowbar. Mustafa Hakkad, famously squeamish about blood in real life, was on set for the reshoots, shouting, more blood, more blood, more blood. (laughs) I mean, yeah, at this point in the 80s, a bloodless slasher film ain't gonna cut it. I mean, intended. you know, the new blood, I don't think that was very successful, was it? No, I mean, what you got at the time was quintessential slasher films, but very dry. Yeah. I mean, like, Child's Play is pretty dry. Really. Yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, the best death is someone falling out a window. That's true, that's true. Something had to be done to acknowledge the improbability of Dr. Loomis' survival from Halloween 2, exactly. So the filmmakers gave him some burn scars on his hand and the right side of his face, as we previously mentioned. Halfway through the production, Pleasant's girlfriend watched some of the dailies with him and rather bluntly, um, but accurately blurted out, look Donald, you got an egg on the side of your face. 
From that point forward, the makeup was toned down with all the scenes refilmed that looked that way. Still, an editing error resulted in some of the old footage making it to the finished film, which is why Loomis's scar seems to change from shot to shot in certain scenes. I wonder who his girlfriend was. I know, yeah. I feel like Donald Pleasance was the kind of actor that was just married for like 60 yeah. years. Like, I don't wonder how many times he was like... The ladies' man with many different girlfriends. Yeah, and he's, well, he doesn't come across as a Richard Byrne, does he? No. Lisa Wilcox auditioned for the role of Rachel. Ah, oh, well, I'm glad she didn't get that. She was perfect <laughs> in Dreammaster. It's true. And body count 19, including the dog. Michael Myers is always killing dogs. It's, I know. It's not good. Bastard. So getting into the film, ten years after his original massacre, the invalid Michael Myers awakens on Halloween Eve and returns to Haddonfield to kill his seven-year-old niece. Can Dr. Loomis stop him? Spoiler alert, Dr. Loomis might as well put the Michael Myers mask on. Oh, my Lord. He becomes the villain. Yeah. In, 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 wow. Not so in, much because of Michael Myers, yeah. <laughs> but I forgot he existed. Um, anyway, October 30th, 1988, the iconic pumpkin opening sequence is ditched for eerie outdoor shots from around Halloween time. And then... We're taken to Ridgemont Federal Sanitarium, where two ambulance drivers go to pick up Michael Myers, and they hear a scream, to which one of them says, Jesus. And the guy who works at the sanitarium says, Jesus ain't got nothing to do with his place. Yeah. <laughs> um, the woman, uh, paramedic, she's from Silent Night, Deadly Night. She is. She's Mr. Uh, Sims. Mr. Sims, woman. She asks if... Michael has any legal relatives. <laughs> I don't think he killed his sister, tried to kill the other sister. <laughs> I don't think he anyone's really going to come and pick him up. I <laughs> don't um, just... There's, like, a weird amnesia towards this story yeah. in part four, five, and six. Oh, I know. Where some people know every single detail... And then other people who probably should know more know absolutely nothing about the story. It's so weird. Yeah, and even bef- even if you can argue the sake of, you know, it's the days before the internet, well, no, it was a big event. There's there's newspapers, there's, you know, news reports, yeah. radio stations. Everyone should know. Everyone in Haddonfield should know about that night. But it's like, bitch... It's a big deal. You are over the age of 10. It's been 10... <laughs> it's been 10 years, and you live... Meters away from where it took place. Yeah, you should know. Yeah, like it's genuinely like living in Ted Bundy's old house and then being like, oh, yeah. oh, did someone live here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the cop escorting the drivers to Michael provides them with all the exposition they need about the first two films because they they had no idea those medical professionals. Yeah, from Smith's Grove. Mm-hmm. Where Michael Myers broke out of... Who probably have (laughs) access to his records. (laughs) Michael uh, is all bandaged up and has been in a comatose state for 10 years since the explosion at Hannafield Memorial Hospital. He's being transferred to Smith's Grove Sanitarium for some reason. Yeah. Leave him there. Like, what what fucking difference does it make? Just leave him there. These films are obsessed with moving him. Yeah. Like... Well, he might like to be closer to the sea. Like, no, he's been in a fucking coma for ten years. <laughs> the theme song kicks in as they put him in the ambulance. Got a bit more of a uh, slightly dancey feeling to it. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. 
It's just good to hear oh, the theme song. It's not Friday the 13th Part 3. No. So, in the ambulance, the staff are discussing how Michael has a niece. <laughs> in a bizarre series of events, this wakes Michael up and he kills them, pushing his form into one of their heads with real gory detail and killing the other one off screen, causing the ambulance to lose control and crash into a river. Michael escapes and makes his way to Haddonfield. This is fucking ridiculous. I mean, I I love this scene because of how stupid it is. Everything I love about this film is because of how stupid it is. This is the same franchise where the first film had so much subtlety and just Michael Myers stalking people slowly throughout a day. The biggest shock was him stabbing someone. And now hearing about his niece wakes him up from a coma... And he's able to crush someone's skull with his thumb. He's got superhuman strength. And also, let's not forget, he was blinded in Halloween too. Just in case you haven't listened to that episode yet, Michael Myers was shot in both eyes. Perfect shots. He could not see. He was blinded. And he was set on fire, burnt to a crisp. He is in one piece now. Slight burn marks on his hands. And he can see again. Did they give him new eyes? No. You gave his name an Irish accent, though. Did I? Michael Myers. <laughs> it, it is a fucking absolute stupidity to the maximum. And lazy writing. Well, it is, yeah. It is. So, okay, just because Jason Voorhees can do this and everyone loves him, That's, Michael Myers can definitely do this. That is essentially... I mean, this is after Friday the 13th Part 4. So, it kind of makes sense. But that's the thing, I mean... just. He just doesn't die. I mean, Halloween 2 is after the Friday the 13th Part 1 and it's and Friday the 13th Part 2. So it's very much the case of, okay, uh, oh, remember that guy, Michael Myers from 1978's Halloween? That guy who was a random serial killer. Oh, well, he's a killer who wears a mask. He's in a slasher film. Tell you what, let's turn him into a full-on slasher villain, superhuman strength, can't die. Yeah. And he has a purpose now, apparently. Because yeah. essentially, this film does well, so this film copies it, um, but does better. Yeah. Uh, this film copies it, does better. I'm very... So that copies that film. And then what you get is the sort of crap where everything is influenced by the same yeah. thing and well, it all just feels like the same film. And he did Real Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, Toby Hooper did that himself. Yeah. Um, but... I'm surprised they didn't do it with Black Christmas. Yeah. I know Silent I don't think Night, Black Deadly Christmas Night. was as successful no, as Halloween. True. Halloween was successful. Yeah. It was big at the box office. It was a cultural reset. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't think Black Christmas was. But Black Christmas influenced the cultural reset. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Jamie Lloyd, played by screen queen Danielle Harris in what I believe is her first ever film role, uh, plays Laura Strode's daughter and Michael's niece. Uh, she's living in Haddonfield with her foster family, Richard and Darlene Carafus, and their teenage daughter, Rachel, played by Coast Guard Casper from House of the Dead. Uh, I I don't want to tell a woman what to do with her, her body, <laughs> but you'd think if you knew that Michael wanted to kill you because you're related and Michael is still alive, she must have had Jamie right after Halloween too. Well, it's Jamie like 
Ten, is she ten? How old is she meant to be? Uh, eight. Eight. I so think? two years removed. Yeah. From Halloween two, you think? Oh my! Oh, maybe I should wait. It's a weird Make sure one. Michael's dead. Again, or... literally, yet again, is, this is the writer's putting absolutely no thought into it. It's funny that during the trivia, the director said the writer, you know, was really focused on... He wasn't. The writer was not focused on this at all, because mm-hmm. there's no thought put into this. I mean, Jamie... Apparently, apparently Laurie used to babysit Rachel. Yeah. Oh, what an <laughs> obvious connection. <laughs> Jamie cries whilst looking at a publicity still of Laurie from the first film. Yeah. With her pumpkin smiling, there was no one around the camera during no, the scene. No, no. <laughs> and we it's revealed that Laurie and the unknown father are dead. And the father better not be fucking Jimmy. Jimmy? From Halloween 2. Oh, Ambulance God. Jimmy. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. That wouldn't be good. Um, I mean, we know it's not Ben Tramer. Rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is a publicity still from the first film. How stupid do they think people are? Michael grabs Jamie from under her bed. Uh, his face is revealed by lightning. Uh, she opens a door and he's waiting for her with a knife. Cinematography in the scene's great. Yeah, it's good. It's good. But then we are introduced to something that's not good. The ridiculous amount of slow fucking motion oh, I in hate this film. Oh my god, it's, I just lost a whole half star because of the slow motion. Yeah. Richard and Darlene run to Jamie in slow motion. One question that I don't understand is why was... Because this is a dream, sorry, yeah. it's a dream. Why is Michael's mask in Jamie's dream accurate <laughs> to this film, but completely inaccurate to parts one and two? <laughs> Yet her only reference point to Michael Myers would be the mask he wore in parts one yeah. and two. <sighs> just, just a little question. Yeah. And out there. Yeah. Um, like, is this just one big dream? And it's her sort of childish way of remembering. Like, like, the eyebrows, I think they were much, much higher. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like right up to his fucking hairline. Yeah, put, put the eyebrows there. Oh, what doesn't make sense is the fact that she wakes up in her closet. So we see her go into a closet and pick out this picture of Jamie Lee Curtis mm. slaying it. And she just has a little cry, and then she goes back to her bed to start saying prayers. So you're telling me she picked out a picture of Jamie Lee Curtis and fell asleep? Yeah. It while she was in the fucking closet, and then the door closed behind her. Uh-huh. The fuck? Does that not happen? You do that all the time. Uh, well. I constantly find you in the closet with her. better not be leading to a coming out of the closet joke. We are better than that. <laughs> I constantly find you in the closet with Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, photo. It's it's not twenty thirteen anymore. Um, <laughs> Richard and I think the fact that you have a Jamie Lee Curtis photo means you don't need to come out of the closet. That's <laughs> true. Um, did I have a Jamie Lee Curtis? I feel like I had, like a signed picture or something. Were I you def- in denial? Was it from Trading Places? No, no, I mean, obviously, I was, like, worshipping it, not fucking wanking was she, it. Was she, is it from Perfect, when she's in the... Uh, no, no, not for those reasons. Um, anyway, yeah, so, <laughs> of course, Jamie Lloyd is named as a tribute to Jamie Lee Curtis. Fucking insulting tribute. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Richard and Darlene. Oh, how silly. Darlene named after Darlene Love, of course. No, not really. Uh, runs to her in slow motion, and Darlene's like, Jamie! 
Um, and they, they comfort her and whatnot. Then it's breakfast the next day. Rachel's on a diet and asks her mum if she wants an oinker as a daughter. Because mm, it's the 80s. Suzanne broke her ankle at an ice rink so she can't babysit. Fucking Suzanne. Rachel is fuming that she's missing out on seeing Brady on the night when he was ready to make a commitment just because she has to babysit. He, I don't think he was going to make any fucking commitment. I don't fucking think so, darling. Jamie overhears this and she's fuming. Oh, no, she's guilt-ridden. Well, <laughs> this leads to Richard saying, that little girl needs all the love she can get right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Rachel makes it up to her saying they can grab ice cream and go trick-or-treating on the night of the year when her mother was stalked by a serial killer. I know, yeah. But Jamie is reluctant to go trick-or-treating yeah. to begin with. Like, yeah, it makes sense. And <laughs> These are the streets where someone tried to murder your mother on this very day. Yeah. Michael's former psychiatrist, Samuel Loomis, oh is back. Oh, my God. He learns of Michael's escape and gives chase. He's looking very well for a man who was burned alive, isn't he? Yeah, apparently spouting this evil bullshit <laughs> for 25 motherfucking years. Does the body good? Apparently. He's, he looks he looks fresh as a daisy. He's got a little fried egg on his face, but... Dr. Hoffman isn't, isn't convinced that Michael survived the crash and tells Loomis that he thinks he's the one who needs mental help. He's not wrong. He is not wrong. Dr. Loomis is alarming. More so in the next one, but he, there's hints of it here. Oh, my God. Not so subtle hints. But... I love Donald Pleasance. <laughs> now, I said in the first two episodes um, that he hammed it up in part two. He brought a ham salad baguette in part two. Oh, my God. He's brought the whole fucking pig farm. <laughs> it's too much. But it's... It, 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 yeah, it's... it's uh... I don't even know if it's fun to watch. I mean, I felt concerned for the children in Halloween. Oh my god, there is no <laughs> subtlety whatsoever. He is there for the paycheck. You know, my girlfriend, she wants a nice Tiffany's bracelet. <laughs> if we're one take, this is one take. Yeah, he he is having the time of his life. Um, oh, he is. Yeah, you can tell he's having fun. Even in interviews, he's like even in fucking interviews where he's Donald Pleasance and not Doctor Lewis. Yeah. He's like, yes, when Michael Myers came back, he is evil. Donald Pleasance, no, you don't have to carry this on now. He's, you can yeah. stop, Donald. Come on. He's uh, living the gimmick, isn't he? <laughs> but, you know, go for it. Do you think he gave the speech to his girlfriend every day? He's like, oh, he's evil. Oh, okay, Donald, we know. Yeah, go out to bed. That's 25 years been going on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Donald stumbles... Loomis stumbles upon Michael at a gas station, an eatery, where he has killed a mechanic for his clothes along with a female clerk. Loomis comes face to face with a still-bandaged Michael. Now, you think he would, like, try and catch people off guard and steal her clothes <laughs> instead of the mechanic's clothes? I mean, that would work. It's his traditional outfit. He always manages to find a mechanic. I know, right? Always finds a boiler suit. Well, I mean, the next two films he stays... This is him. This is his outfit now to the end of this trilogy. Is it a two-piece? Is it a shirt and trousers or is it, it just, all one? I think it's all one. It's confusing. Good know. old boiler suit onesie. You never see it, clo- you never see it close enough. I don't care. So he, yeah, he finds Michael. Michael's all bandaged up. It's it's an all right shot, you know, zooming into Michael just standing there, bandaged. Yeah, uh, do you think Donald Pleasance did his own stunts? 
We'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> Have I missed something? A speech. Oh. Michael. Cut that out. Why now? You waited ten years. I knew this day would come. Don't go to Haddonfield. If you want another victim, take me. Take me. Ah. Take me, you dirty bitch. But please leave those people in peace. That was 90% accurate. Okay. So when he says, why now? <laughs> because this is literally the only opportunity he gets because he's being moved. <laughs> like, like he's, he's been in a coma for 10 years. Lewis shoots at Michael and he why, vanishes. Like, seriously, why, why now? Um... Because it's not difficult. <laughs> like really? <laughs> and what? What a coincidence! It's ten years. I swear these people ask for it. They're like, do you know what? Spice up Haddonfield. Let's release this kind again. Well, I, I mean, who are you talking about, Michael or Loomis? Because I mean, let's face it, Michael probably doesn't even give a shit about Loomis. He's, he doesn't even know who he is. Like, you're obsessed with me, and I love it. Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> Michael then escaped in a bizarre it's series a of events. Holiday. He's been hanging around for ten fucking years. In a bizarre series of events. He doesn't talk events. about anything else. I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant. He doesn't talk about he doesn't. anything he, else. No hobbies. No, he doesn't turn around and say, do you know what, I watched a really great film the other day. It was um, Halloween and Michael was in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Season of the Witch. I had Tom Atkins in. It was an immortal classic. He doesn't. He does not talk about anything no. else. He needs to get a fucking life. Yeah, in a bizarre series of events, Michael escapes in a tow truck, hitting the gas pumps, causing an explosion, <laughs> destroying Loomis's car in the process, and disabling the phone lines, which causes Loomis to do a big action movie slow-mo job. I love it. For me, this is a memorable <laughs> scene. I love this scene. It is ridiculous. It is. It's so ridiculous, and I love it. Um, in an even more bizarre series of events, because, I mean, you know, as someone who went through bullying at school, kids could be fucking cruel. Are kids this cruel? I mean, it was the 80s, like a whole other level. I don't think they are. These kids approach Jamie at school and like, hey, Jamie, where's your costume? She don't need a match, she's wearing one. Every day's Halloween in Jamie's house, her uncle's the boogeyman. Jamie's mum can't make her a costume because she's dead. Jamie's mummy's a mummy. Oh my God. <laughs> That's fucking brutal. And then they start chanting, Jamie is an orphan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's literally two teachers behind them within earshot and they're just chatting away, just walking down. Like, Jamie is an orphan, Jamie is not. Like, oh my God. It's awful. <laughs> they, came, they obviously came from the same school of acting as uh, John Strode in part six. Where if, if you're going to be a cunt, you've got to go all out. John Strode. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Danielle Harris, um, is fantastic in this, by the way, for a child actor in the 80s. Um, the scene here is a certain highlight where she just, she's high behind a tree and she's like, you're okay, you're okay. And it's like, do you know what? I actually feel sorry for you. you this is convincing. Yeah. Did you not feel sorry for her before? Yeah, of course I did, but not as much as this. It's like, it's a sad moment. But she can empathize. Yeah. Um, I mean, make the most of it. <laughs> Made the most of it, that's all I'm saying. Um, Rachel and Lindsay pick her up from school. Lindsay! Yes, good old Lindsay, that's not Lindsay. Yeah, apparently. Like Rachel also looks like Tiffany from the next film. She does, yes, she does. Rachel takes... Tiffany? Tina. Tina. Rachel takes Jamie to buy ice cream and a Halloween costume. Brady... Yeah, she's, so, she's decided that she wants to partake yeah. in Halloween now. 
Because apparently bullying works. Apparently. Apparently. Brady, Tommy Doyle and Wade make bets as to who can go chat up Kelly. Wade goes for it and she tells him to fuck off. Yeah, so Tommy Doyle, he's all grown up now, betting yeah. on sexual escapades. Good for him. What a lad. What a lad. Also, his character in this makes no sense to his character in part six. No. To how he went from, oh yeah, let's chat with this bird, to, oh, I'm obsessed with Michael Myers like Loomis. Yes. <laughs> Michael arrives in Hall... I'm, I'm sorry, are you surprised? No. Michael arrives in Haddonfield and steals a mask from the same store where Jamie and Rachel happen to be. Okay, this is really inappropriate. <laughs> Why is that store selling that mask? That is incredibly inappropriate. It really is. Why would you stock that? It's absolutely disgraceful. <laughs> Disgusting. This Halloween, you can go as the guy who murdered a bunch of people in this very oh town. Oh my lord. Really, really bad taste. Jamie picks out a clown costume, just like Michael's in the original, that even gives her a flashback to that. Rachel breaks the news to Brady about the babysitting after a snog, and he's fuming, but he gives that dirty little bitch Kelly a look, which she returns. Kelly is peak 80s slasher teenager bitch. Yeah. Well, she is, but only because of slut-shaming. Well, I mean, it depends which way you look at it, because, I mean, maybe... She's in the right then. Well, she could be. I mean, she is. She, she does. She does raise a good point when she gives a little speech later on. Exactly. I think she's misunderstood. <laughs> uh, and Michael almost attacked Jamie after grabbing his new mask. Oh lord, yeah. But is forced to flee when Jamie screams, breaking a mirror in slow motion and alerting Rachel. Yeah, because he can shove his thumb through someone's forehead, <laughs> but Lord forbid Rachel comes. <laughs> Like, really? <laughs> if if the the whole point is that in the first film and the second one to a certain degree, he is a predator who is stalking his prey. Yeah. In this film, he seems to be this, you know, all out Goliath character that just goes to a random petrol station and just slaughters everyone there. Yeah. You know, this, that and the other. He's an unstoppable beast. How dare you? That's not in keeping with this. Like, no. why would he be scared of Rachel? Why would he be like, oh, no, no, not Rachel. Oh, I better go. <laughs> like, or is this another hallucination by Jamie? No, I think it's actually because it's where he gets his mask from. Yeah. Yeah. Loomis is hitching a ride to Haddonfield. Oh, my God. He's found his match in the chatting shit department. Well, first, a group of cheerleaders and their boyfriends oh, yeah. offer him a lift in slow motion. But drive off when he approaches the car. Not cheerleaders, bitches. Reverend Jackson Sayer turns up, though, and offers him a lift instead. His car has stickers saying, I love Jesus and I believe the Bible. And they discuss hunting things and they have a drink. Sayer then sings to Loomis about gathering at the river. Yeah, even then, Loomis <laughs> has nothing to talk about, apart from hunting and predators and shit like that. Oh, Lord. I'd, I'd like to see a uh, spin-off with Sayer and Loomis just talking shit and hunting things. Yes. Michael watches Rachel through the window as she calls Brady's house. His parents tell her he's not home from work yet. Oh. It's a very late shift. Rachel takes Jamie trick-or-treating. Michael breaks into the house 
and finds the still public publicity stills of uh, Laurie in Jamie's bedroom. <laughs> you know, he's looking straight at him. You can see, even though he's yes. blind. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Loomis arrives in Haddonfield and warns the new sheriff, Ben Meeker, Kelly's dad, that Michael has returned. He does this by shouting in his face about Michael looking for Jamie. Okay, so, Dr. Loomis, he's a kook. He's a weird, <laughs> he's a weird one. Yeah. He's strange. But, why does no one ever believe him? I know. Like, yeah. why? He's actually always right. He's true. He's actually very accurate and very true. <laughs> so when he, every time he's turned around and said, Michael's on his way, everyone's like, no, he's not. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's not. No. No, he's, he's elsewhere. It happens no. every single fucking no. film. <laughs> and then do you know who shows up and invites him? Michael Myers. Yeah, Every po- single film. The police department in these films are responsible for the deaths they of really these people. They really are. This guy is pure evil. He's going to kill as many people as possible. Nah, nah, he's not. Nah, he's just, just, the guy he's just who, a weird one. The guy who killed his sister when he was six years old. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. He ain't evil. What are you on about? <laughs> but why does no one believe him? The moment that man turns around and says, do you know what? There's a really tall killer about to try and slaughter you. <laughs> Like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. You you were right about that ten years ago. Oh shit. Uh, the bullies from school compliment Jamie's clown costume and they all start trick-or-treating together. Jamie, you're a fucking two-faced mug. bitches. What a mug. Like, oh, do you know what? You told me I'm an orphan and chanted it in front of the whole fucking school. Yeah, I'll go trick-or-treat with you. Was it really that difficult to just hire more child experts? I know, yeah. <laughs> or just have a different it's the same fucking kids. Just have different kids. In the same costumes. Well, in the tramps. same fucking costumes. They go to Kelly's... They literally, they turn around and say, oh, you're in a costume now. We like you. Yeah. We don't mind that you're an orphan. So, and don't even apologise. And she's like, yeah, let's go. Like, oh, you're dressed as your uh, serial killer uncle when he was a kid. Get in. And also, <laughs> if they are the same age, they really shouldn't be going around without adult supervision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They uh, go to Kelly's house, where she's wearing the iconic uh, Cops Do It By The Book t-shirt. Yes. And she's standing there, no trousers on, she's got a little uh, trick-or-treat bucket with all the sweets in. And who's behind her? Brady. Yeah, Rachel spots him. And his... So, number one, I mean, it is an iconic outfit. It is. But if you're going to answer the door to children, <laughs> put some fucking trousers on. Highly inappropriate. <laughs> Number two, I really would like to buy that t-shirt <laughs> and wear it. But in 2021, we absolutely know that cops do not fucking do <laughs> it by the book. very true. Um, so it would be highly inappropriate to anyone who isn't aware of Halloween 4. If we go to a Halloween convention, like specifically for the Halloween films, yeah. that would be a good opportunity. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going around to cops do it by the way. They certainly do not do it by the book. No. Uh, so Brady's excuse is that he was pissed off and Rachel's like, so you hopped on the next best thing, I'll let you get back to Little Miss Hot Pants. <gasps> <laughs> yes, Queen. She should have been wearing hot pants. It would have been more she appropriate. She is Little Miss Hot Pants. Fucking own it, girl. She, yeah. I mean, she, no shame in her game. <laughs> Rachel stoves off and realises that she's now lost Jamie. Michael goes to the power station and kills Bucky, a worker with a fairly decent moustache. That's a good moustache. Yeah. Uh, how do we know his name's Bucky? 
Because he has it on his little badge. <laughs> no, he does not. Does he not? He has it on his fucking hat. Ah. <laughs> I did wonder why I had poor Bucky as a note. <laughs> I like, did he say his name? Michael kills him by throwing him into a transformer, plunging the town into darkness. Oh my God. Is not- Optimus Prime okay? They call, I, they call power stations transformers in America. I didn't, I didn't get it. All that meets the eye, clearly. Rachel is chased by Michael and finds Jamie. They're surrounded by Ben Tramer wannabes when Sheriff Meeker and Loomis arrive and take them to the sheriff's house for safety. Oh my god, so inappropriate. I know, poor Ben Tramer died. Yeah. And they're all wearing his masks. Incredibly inappropriate. This is really, this is disgrace. This is actually a huge um, social political commentary <laughs> on 80s America. <laughs> And youth culture. <laughs> Michael attacks uh, the police at the police station and kills all the officers off screen. You know how every film set in the 80s, somebody says, this is the film villain, but the true villain is Ronald Reagan. <laughs> well, Ronald Reagan is responsible for the whole of this film. A spoiler alert for Halloween 5, Trevor, but you know the mask he wears when he's pretending to be... Please tell me that's Ronald Reagan. Was going to be Ronald Reagan. It looks a little like him. It was going like to be a spitting image version of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and they didn't want it to be political, so they changed their minds. No, that's, well, that's really boring, isn't it? Michael, um, yeah, he's killed all the police officers, and he sneaks into Deputy Logan's car, who has another good moustache, before he drives to the sheriff's house. A lynch mob is formed by straight white men. I mean, the townsmen. To kill Michael once Loomis reveals that Michael has returned. Oh my god. We've always said there's nothing worse than straight white man with confidence. And fuck me. <laughs> this lich mob is full of them. And the drunk as well. You could smell them through the fucking they... screen. <laughs> it's true. I've got nothing to add. I just didn't think you'd say it. This, this lynch mob, that is, I hope the lynch mob's dealt with better in Halloween Kills, for fuck's sake. Um, oh, you got a few women in there as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, true. You know? Kyle Richards is in that A little mob. bit of diversity. <laughs> um, they, they go on the hunt, and they thought they could see Michael in the bush, so they start shooting, because you know, that's what they do. <laughs> Straight white men with confidence. And uh, <laughs> they walk over to the bush, and one of them was like, Shit, Earl, it's Ted Hollister. <laughs> and they just, Ted that's Hollister. it, they leave him. <laughs> They just killed a man, and that's fine. They just leave him. It's Ted Hollister, <laughs> not Ted Hollister. Uh, Who's your favourite, Ted Hollister? Ben Traver. <laughs> of course, it's Ben Traver. Is <laughs> anyone else accidentally killed? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Actually, <laughs> Kelly and Brady are getting it on next to the fireplace, and when Kelly takes off her iconic T-shirt, Brady says, "Oh." think I'm in heaven. Oh. Fucking virgin. A dad arrives home with Rachel, Jamie, Loomis and a deputy. Pretty sure you said that to me before. Inter- <laughs> and interrupt Stefan. They get in the way of heaven. Yeah. Speaking of straight white men with confidence, um, they all barricade the house. Mika gives Brady, who doesn't know who Michael Myers is, of course, a shotgun and says, if I catch you grabbing my daughter, I'll use that shotgun on you. Bitch, what do you think they've been doing? I know. What do you think they've been doing? Number one, Brady would absolutely know who Michael Myers <laughs> is. Absolutely. There is no... What is the point? What is the point in terms of the plot 
and character development for Brady not to know Michael Myers. He's going out with Michael Myers' niece's fucking exactly. foster sister. Exactly. Yes, Loomis heads out to look for Michael. Kelly makes tea for everyone because she's considerate like that. Because she's a woman. And she has a conversation with Rachel. She tells Rachel she didn't know her and Brady had a thing. And, and she's got a point. She's like, Brady's not married. Besides, I have to do what's best for me. Yeah. To which Rachel says, or oh, what you do best. <gasps> Kelly tells Rachel it's that... Just, like, re- seriously, are you really going to have two grown-ass women <laughs> arguing over a man in the middle of a life-and-death situation? <laughs> and, and also, quite a basic man as well. He's exactly. Not really... <laughs> oh, Brady is so basic. So basic. They both could do better. Um... <laughs> Kelly tells Rachel that Brady might not be the last man she loses. So Rachel says, here, have some coffee, and throws coffee over Kelly. <laughs> it's so insulting. <laughs> it genuinely is so and it insulting. Is, it, and it also ruins her iconic t-shirt. Yeah, and can you not have two women in a fucking film that don't get catty with each other at some <laughs> Why can't they just work together? Yeah. It's so silly. <laughs> but slightly iconic. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit. Me, me sat here whilst I, whilst I uh, digest every single aspect of the Real Housewives <laughs> who do nothing but argue and bitch and get catty with each other. With, uh, with Sheriff Meeker in the basement awaiting the arrival of the state police before heading out to deal with the lynch bob. Lynch bob. Lynch, lynch bob. bob. Can I get you a lynch bob? <laughs> Michael sneaks in. <laughs> Michael sneaks in and kills Deputy Logan off screen. Stealing his seat and shotgun after in a really great shot. Um, no pun intended. Um, Kelly approaches him and he's just there in the rocking chair. He gets up and he fucking kills Kelly with what looks like a shotgun to the vagina. It does. So we don't see it, but the placement does appear to be her crotch. It is rough. It is. And it... <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's horrible. <laughs> um, also... You laughed when the straighteners uh, went up poor... That uh, is very true, what, actually. What's the face from Sleepaway Camp? You, it's, it was on her iconic T-shirt. Oh, yeah. two, Sorry. Two women with iconic <laughs> T-shirts are killed by having objects shoved through their crotch. It's true. It's true. Um, also, both are slut-shamed constantly yes. throughout the films. I mean, come on. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Yeah. Uh, Discovering the bodies, Rachel, Jamie and Brady realise they're trapped in the house. Brady shoots the door, but tells Rachel he can't open it because it's metal. To which we get one of my favourite lines of dialogue in the film. What does it mean? It's metal, Rachel. It's metal. How else do you want it explained? (laughs) Rachel and Jamie flee to the attic when Michael appears, but Brady stays to fend him off because he's a hero. Oh, And is killed when Michael fucking crushes his skull. Yeah, Brady didn't deserve to die the hero. He just deserves to die. No, but he he is a good death. Oh, it is a very good death, but, you know, he didn't deserve it. The girls climb through a window onto the roof and Jamie is lowered down safely and Michael attacks Rachel and knocks her off the roof and knocks her unconscious. Pursued by Michael, Jamie runs down the street and finds Loomis. I mean, that scene goes on for a long time. A very long time. Um, I can see they're trying to build suspense, but when everything else is just so over the top and dumb, 
wasn't really needed. Yeah, it's not particularly exciting, and I, I, it's been done. And by this time. point, you know, Rachel is slut shame people. She's shown she's a bit of a dumbass, so I mean, you're not really. No one cares, really. <laughs> They take Shouter in the school, uh, but Michael appears with blonde hair and subdues Loomis by throwing him through a glass door. This isn't an Argento film, Michael. Calm down. A handful of people will get that. <laughs> then He then chases Jamie through the building. Jamie trips, falls down a flight of stairs, but before Michael can kill her, Rachel reappears and subdues him with a fire extinguisher and then vanish- and he vanishes. The lynch mob arrive at the school after hearing the alarm go off. And Rachel says, he's in the school. And one of them says, Jesus, where? <laughs> in the school? Earl and three other mob members agree to take the girls to the next town in a pickup truck, meeting up with the state police as they head for Haddonfield to reinforce Sheriff Mika. A trooper then tells them of a substation just up the road where they'll be safe, but Michael, I shit you not, has been hid underneath the fucking truck this entire time whilst they've been driving. Mm-hmm. What a grip he's got. <laughs> That's impressive. Also, the truck is not that far off the ground. No. <laughs> they must have, like, ran over some sort of, like, rock or yeah. some... You know, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There must be something, like, a squirrel hit him or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's underneath the truck. Um <laughs> He climbs aboard and kills all four men, including Earl, by ripping his fucking neck off. In a really grisly scene. That was very good. That was uh, that was a good death scene. Rachel pushes Earl's body out to take the wheel, <laughs> and continuously attempting to throw Michael off. She succeeds in doing so, and then rams him with the truck, sending him flying into a ditch near an abandoned mine. Oh. Sheriff Mika, Loomis, the rest of the lunch mob, and the state police arrive... But when Jamie approaches Michael and touches his hand, he rises. Mika, the state police, and lynch mob relentlessly shoot Michael in slow motion until he falls down the mine. Yes. Loomis... There's not really much to say to it. Well, no. This is is very typical of an ending of a slasher film. But it ends... I mean, it goes to the next scene there. In part five, though, the scene goes on a little longer and gets a little more ridiculous. Yes. Lewis and Sheriff Mika take the girls back home where Darlene and Richard console their traumatised children. Is the children. dynamite not in this one? No, it's not. Oh! <laughs> no, that is added for five. Is it really? It is, yeah. Oh! I thought... Oh, okay. As Darlene goes upstairs to run a bath for Jamie, she's suddenly attacked through the eyes of someone with a pair of scissors. <gasps> when it's, it's not... De- it's not, um... What's her name? Deborah Hill. It's not... <laughs> No, it's not Deborah Hill this time. When Loomis goes to see what happened, he finds an emotionless Jamie holding a pair of bloody scissors on the top of the stairs, reminiscent of Michael when he killed his own sister. <gasps> Loomis screams, Now! 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 Repeatedly, and attempts to shoot this child, um, but Sheriff Mika stops him. Loomis sinks to the floor and begins sobbing as Rachel, Richard and Mika stare in horror. <laughs> That's, that's a pretty good ending. It's a great ending. It, it is. And it's so ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it perfectly, you know, mimics the, the first film and yeah. what happened. Brings it full circle. That's it. Yeah. It's, you know, didn't need to do any more. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a cliffhanger. 
for the next film. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But one that didn't even necessarily need Chase and Oaks. Not really. It's, it's, I mean... It, you just... It's full circle. Yeah, but... Uh, were they intending on having a part five? Of course they were. They filmed back to back, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Halloween 4. It's it's not perfect. It's, you know, it's not even in the same league as the first film. It's about as good as part two, I think. It, it's just ridiculous. It's just, but it's fun. It's camp and entertaining. Yeah, it's fine. And there's traces of a good film here, which is more than can be said about the next two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it is quite generic, with camp value, um, nothing too exciting. But no, it's all right. It's all right. So, on to our special Michael Myers through the years round. Yes. That we've got for each of these films. I actually believe I agree with you on all three of these films. So best kill, Earl's throat rip. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Is the practical effects in that scene is great. It, it is absolutely brutal. Um, special mention to the fun. Yeah, the fun. The fun for the four yeah. is great. One good scare. Michael at the sheriff's house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the rocking chair. Yeah, the rocking chair, and you know him coming upstairs after Brady, and so it's it's great. It's really really. There's certain scenes in this film where you can tell they've actually put effort into the cinematography, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Most likable character is Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Ra- Rachel's likable as well, apart from the slut shaming. Yeah. Uh, but it's a sign of the times. But Jamie yeah, doesn't slut shame anyone, so she wins. She doesn't, no. And she's a little girl, so we have to like her. Uh, most. Even though she murders her mother at the end. Yeah. But her mother was a bit annoying. So. She was. Most unlikable character is, of course, Brady. Brady. Boring Brady. Brady, you dirty, low life, scum of the earth. Boring bastard. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and that brings us to Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers from 1989. Directed by Dominique Arfinin Girard, director of After Darkness and Night Angel, Omen for The Awakening. We all fondly remember that sequel. Have you seen, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's bad. Yes, it is. Extra Private Lessons, XTRA. The Last American Elvis, etc., etc. What, the film's Extra Private Lessons? Yeah. Oh, because there's a film called Extra and a film called Private Lessons. Well, maybe it's a mashup. Who knows? A mashup. Okay, Extra is about an alien. <laughs> Private Lessons is about an inappropriate relationship between a teacher and a student. That could be a very interesting mashup. There we go. <laughs> Made on a budget of five million again. Uh, but this one only made 11.6 million at the box office because there wasn't much of a box office for it to make money from. In a lot of territories, this one went straight to video. Yes. And it was lucky to even <laughs> do that. Yeah, so uh, add this in Halloween 6, uh, let's say this is where the troublesome productions come in. Don Shanks um, revealed, Don Shanks plays Michael Myers. Revealed in an interview that he played the man in black in many of the scenes. He also said that even the writers had not yet decided the character's identity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just thrown in there. They didn't know who he was, what he was doing. He was just thrown in. Just making shit up as they go along. The film had one of the lowest international theatrical distributions of the series, being seen only in the US, Argentina, 
Colombia, France, Germany, and Turkey. Elsewhere, it was released straight to video with large campaigns in Norway, the UK, and Spain. Yeah, it's got direct to video written all over it. It has. Donald Pl- well, yeah, do you know what's weird? Halloween 4 and 5, they used to be on those free DVDs you'd get with your first DVD player. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I watched both of these, it was on a double disc, uh-huh. but the discs had two sides each. Yeah. One had Halloween 4 and 5, the other had the Boogeyman, um, I think it was either 1 and 2 or 2 and 3. Oh. Yeah, and they were like cardboard and you had the yeah. little black clip on the side. I had, the one I got with my DVD player was Friends Series 7, <laughs> <laughs> but like episodes 1 to 5 or some shit like that. Ours was The Howling Free, Return of the Living Dead Free, and Jason Goes to Hell. Oh. <laughs> oh, Help Him a Fish and Help Him a Fish. Help Him a Fish. His three horror films and Help Him a Fish. Help Him a Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that one. Donald Pleasance had disagreements with Akkad and Afanin Girard, uh, citing that Jamie should have been portrayed as all evil after stabbing her stepmother. Akkad disagreed, thinking her fans wanted to see more of the shape. In an interview, Danielle Harris explained what she thought of the idea. She said, the way Halloween 4 ended, I thought I was going to be the killer. I thought it would have been fun to come back as the killer or Michael's sidekick. I mean, yeah, it, it would make sense. Yes. Um... It's a bit weird. Has there ever been a film marketed with a child slasher killer? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, like, Child's Play is, is a yeah. small, <laughs> statured... Oh, I... oh, okay, Michael's on the loose again. No, oh, damn it, Michael, no! Let it burn! <laughs> no! <laughs> but, you know, obviously, Child's Play is a doll... Short statured. Yeah. It worked. There's the children, uh, that is a group of kids. A bloody birthday. Yes. Yeah, suppo- oh, yeah, I suppose. It's normally groups of children, I suppose. I mean, there's but obviously more... the omen. This yeah. is a slasher film, but still. I'm just, I can't imagine the end of the film, like, she's all evil, so they have to, like, chop off her head. <laughs> it's like a nine year old girl. I, d- I don't know if that's marketable. Uh, the film's first screenplay, which was written by Shem Bitterman, featured Jamie Lloyd and Michael Myers as dual antagonists. There we go. With a now teenage Jamie going on a killing spree of her own. That'd make more sense. Myers attempting to kill her because she was unwittingly interfering with his own spree. Much like Freddy vs. Jason. I was going to say. And Rachel being caught in the middle. Executive producer Mustafa Rakad disliked the screenplay, feeling it felt more like a parody of the Halloween series than an actual entry in it. And what the fuck was Halloween 5 then? Exactly. And also because he had already promised Danielle Harris that she would be allowed to return as Jamie and did not think that the 12-year-old would be a credible serial killer. As a result, the screenplay uh, was rewritten essentially from scratch by Michael Jacobs and the director, uh, though Bitterman remained credited for contractual reasons. Uh On the audio commentary, uh, the director stated actress Tamara Glynn who plays Samantha, uh, became increasingly tense and unfeminine, in his exact words, as they got closer to filming the love scene between her and Matthew Walker, who plays Spitz in the barn. Glynn even asked co-star Danielle Harris to be on set during the filming of that scene to help ease her tension. What? 
Yeah. I feel tense filming this sex scene, bringing a child to help relax me. Yeah. Ew. But also ill to the director, stating that she was being unfeminine. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Unfeminine. Weirdo. I mean, that, that, that bit of trivia is messed up on, on all accounts. Yeah, so. fucking creep. Yeah. Uh, writer-director Robert Harders, um, the writer of Home Movies, the Brian De Palma film. Oh, no. Pitched and ultimately rejected... That was awful. <laughs> we, we couldn't watch that. It was so bad. Uh, he pitched an ultimately rejected treatment that echoed the Frankenstein mythos, uh, picking up directly after the events of Halloween 4, uh, where there's a tremendous storm, thunder, fierce lightning, the shattered timbers, concrete wires, and rebar entangling, and supporting the lifeless body of Michael Myers, and channeling the storm's life-giving electrical current from the heavens into the body of our creature and bringing him back to life. So basically Friday the 13th passes. I was going to say... Yeah, that's already been done, mate. <laughs> Michael Myers' mask is... Uh, <laughs> a, a cross between Nicolas Cage and Christopher Walken. Yes. Um, it has longer and slicker hair, thick rubber and teardrop-shaped eye holes. Uh, the mask is held together by Valcro, making it appear unkempt and shoddy. And has an angrier expression than the previous two. Um... <laughs> Like the last film's mask, it received a negative re- reaction. The eyebrows in this one were heavily criticised, along with the eye shapes. Why can't they just... I mean, this follows part four directly. Yeah. Why would they not just use the same mask? Like, why are you creating... Who has the mask from part four? I know, exactly. Why, why are you allowing people to steal from your set? But this, this is what they said wouldn't happen after Dick Warlock yeah. did it. They said they wouldn't do that again. So why is there a new mask? Yeah. we. I, I mean, part four's mask was shit. Mm. But, you know, a bit of consistency. Exactly. Because this is even worse. It's awful. Yeah. Um, a card said that one of his biggest regrets about the film was killing off the character of Rachel. Yeah. In retrospect, he would have kept her alive, but she was killed in an attempt to show that no one, not even Rachel, was safe from Michael. Yeah, we fucking know. He killed his sister within the opening minutes of the first fucking exactly. film. Exactly. What more proof do we need? He spent a long time trying to kill a child. Yeah. He kills many dogs. The film had been fighting an <laughs> X-rating... more about the dogs than the humans. The film had been fighting an X-rating with the violence, blood and gore. Some scenes were trimmed down to keep it rated R, including a shot of Mike quivering on the ground after Michael stabs him in the head with a hand rake. A shot of glass embedded in Officer Eddie's face and Michael punches through the windshield... And Billy's leg uh, being hit by the Camaro, the scythe that kills Samantha, was originally supposed to go through her forehead. Oh. Now, I've got an issue. What? Who's Samantha? We literally just spoke about her trivia. She's one of our sex in the barn. I'm a dime <laughs> Sally. No, it's Sammy. Oh, no. <laughs> How much attention I paid to this shit film. In an article that appeared in uh, Fangoria, the director claimed that the film's ending was not scripted. Oh, what a surprise. Donald Pleasant stated in the same article that the film would contain the death of his character, Sam Loomis. (laughs) I mean, yeah, technically, he's he's dead to us (laughs) after this film. Jesus. Um, Body count 16, including the dog, again. 
again. One year after the events of Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, the shape returns to Haddonfield once again in an attempt to kill his now mute niece. <laughs> yep. Because she's a mute now. We get boring ass opening credits with quick flashes of a knife cutting out a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. That, that shitty swipe sound that films do. And then it shows you the pumpkin at the end, like a big reveal. Like, oh, wow. Oh, another flashed up pumpkin. Uh, on October 31st, 1988, Michael Myers is shot and falls down a mine shaft. That's where we saw it end in Halloween 4. Uh huh. But no, not this time around. Sheriff Ben Meeker, the lynch mob of Haddonfield's truckers, and state police toss down dynamite to finish him off. <laughs> they, I, I mean, this is no joke. They literally throw dynamite. They somehow have dynamite. They, and they do. throw it down the mine. <laughs> Some wily coyote shit there, isn't it? <laughs> <coughs> Escaping into a nearby creek and floating down it as the dynamite explodes. Michael stumbles upon a local hermit and his parrot, Tuki. And falls into a coma, placing himself in the hermit's care and being nursed back to health. Hold the fuck up. So first of all, and this isn't even the, the most bizarre part of the scene. This hermit is a hermit. Very Yeah, okay, great. Even he should know who the fuck Michael Myers is exactly. by this point. And he decides to nurse him back to health. Yeah. He doesn't think of alerting anyone. And also... You know, he he's he may have been trained as a doctor, I, I don't know. But he hasn't got the equipment that a doctor no. would have, that a hospital would have. Yeah. Like, how can he keep, spoiler alert, uh, Michael in a coma and alive for a whole Let's, year? Yeah. In a bizarre series of events, a very, very bizarre series of events, we are told it's Halloween Eve, one year later. Is there a word for Halloween Eve? Uh, apparently so. It doesn't so. sound right. So, first of all, we're, we're given Jamie. Uh, Jamie has a nightmare of the ending of Halloween 4. She is. Um, she's been admitted to the Haddonfield Children's Clinic after having attacked her foster mother. Jamie has been rendered mute due to psychological trauma, suffering from nightmares and seizures, and exhibits signs of a telepathic link with her uncle. Mm-hmm. It's seriously. Yeah. Then, back to the bizarre series of events. Just like Michael Bublé at Christmas and Jules Holland on New Year's Eve. Hey. Michael senses Halloween and wakes up. That fucking guy has been sleeping in this hermit's little hut for an entire fucking year. Uh-huh. An entire year an he's entire been asleep. Year. That is some power nap. Yeah. How... Just like, how has this guy kept him alive for a year? Like, how how has he fed him? Yeah. We've had, we know Michael eats because he ate a dog in the first film. Yeah. So, you know, when people are in comas, usually they need feeding via a drip. Mm-hmm. You know, what is he... Is he just... Forcing food down his... Like, what is going on here? 
Like the place where he's got him, did he not have to use that workstation for like a whole year? Like, was he not just a massive inconvenience? You know, after a few weeks, did he not think, okay, maybe I probably should tell someone about this now? Did he have but enough visitors? A whole fucking year. Yeah. It's so... It's... Apparently this character was originally called Dr. Death, and he was part of the call. Um... I mean, it's that stupid. Made sense. It would have made more sense than this. That would have made sense. You know, you're saying they, they didn't have an ending written. Yeah. They didn't have a fucking beginning, no. middle, or end written. No. Um, but yeah, he, he wakes up. It's Halloween, so he's like, oh, it's time to wake up again. Let's go out to Haddonfield and piss off Loomis. Um, he shows off his fancy cult tattoo that he now has. He does. To let us know that we are now fully in the Fawn trilogy. He then stabs the hermit to death with his knife and heads to Haddonfield. This guy that has kept you there for a fucking year, you, you're just going to murder him. But he doesn't know, but, but Michael doesn't know that. He's been in a coma. It's, it's true, it's true. He's just woken up and some random guy's there. Yeah. So he just kills him. He's pure evil, Garrett. Pure it's true. evil. It's true. He's got the devil's eyes. He has. Um, I mean, who has in this film with that mask? Uh, whilst all of this is happening, Jamie has a psychic connection to Michael <laughs> and starts copying what he's doing before writing, he's coming for me on the chalkboard and having some sort of seizure. This is just, this is so fucking dumb. I, I genuinely, when you think about it, it's hard to believe this even happened. It, it's just, I mean, someone was paid money to write this. <laughs> I'm not one, you know, I don't want to shame anyone. You know, if, if somebody turned around and said, Chris, write a Halloween sequel, I might struggle. You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I watch films. I watch a lot of films and I enjoy films. And I also don't enjoy a lot of films. I, I think that the writers of this film, they must have only watched the fourth one. But, yeah, and nothing else. They, they, there's the, no way they watched the first no, one. No, I mean, you can't have a genuine affinity for the first film and then write something like this. It just makes yeah. no sense. It's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to John Carpenter's, you know, character. John Carpenter's film. Mm. You know, he wrote the second one as well. And it's just, it's so stupid. So, Rachel... Um visits Jamie and for some reason she's absolutely fine with her despite her stabbing her mother. Yes. Now, I had my notes to death because, I mean, you know, why wouldn't she be dead after that? Yeah, yeah, I thought she was dead. No, she's not dead. No. She's not dead. Um, Tina and Max the dog join them. Tina, the best character in this film. Uh, yeah, t- Tina looks like Catherine Hahn again. Yeah. Um, did you, who do you think, uh, Jamie's nurse took acting lessons from? Um. And why was it Donald Pleasance? Oh, it was definitely Donald She Pleasant. is. Oh, Jamie! <laughs> oh, Jamie! Oh. It's ridiculous how over the top she is. Speaking of which, here he is, Big Sam. Big Sam. Enters the scene, he interrupts them, and he is fucking fuming. So Tina, Max, and Rachel leave. But as they're leaving, someone throws a brick through the window, and it has a little note of it saying, the evil child must die. <gasps> <laughs> Come on, Loomis. We all know you set someone up to do that. Probably. 
Loomis and Rachel... But who would send that? I who, know. Who would throw that? People who know, apparently. Yeah. Who know what? That but, she stabbed her foster mother. Yeah, but, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> Why are you throwing a brick through saying kill a child? Yeah, how did they know that's her room? Exactly. Well? There could have been any poor child in that place. Yeah. Loomis and Rachel have a chat about it, um, where we get the exposition that her stepmother yeah. was only attacked by Jamie and not killed. She was fucking dead. She yeah. was definitely dead. She was dead. And also, absolutely not her stepmother. No, they, they always refer to each other as step this, step, step that. That's yeah. not the case. That's it's not. No, it's foster. Th- that's, it's, it's absolutely... So, have you even watched the fourth film? Yeah. Like, seriously, have you even watched the fourth one? Yeah. Because then you would realise that both her parents are dead, she was an orphan. I mean, there was a whole fucking chant yeah. based around her being an orphan. Therefore, step-sister, step-mother, step-family is not the right term. It's stupid no. and it's lazy writing. It's fucking pissed. Shit like that really pisses you yeah. off because if they're not going to look at stuff like that, the obvious stuff that they need to fix, like, who who double-checked this screenplay? Exactly. Exactly. Who read through it before filming and said, actually, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's that's inconsistent with yeah. the fourth film. So Michael stalks Rachel as she listens to Banger, Romeo, Romeo by Becca, which we can't have on a Spotify playlist because it's not on Spotify, oh, sadly. No. She gets in the shower. Um, and we get to see this because Rachel's that type of character now, even though yeah. by eight, the way 80s stereotypes go... She was the one who doesn't show any skin, you know. Yeah, so in the fourth film, we're meant to believe that Rachel was not a complete prude, but a good girl. Yeah. You know, whereas Kelly was the slut. Now, we have Rachel being watched in the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shower, Kurt, I don't believe it's the actress that plays no. Rachel. Um, but the shower is very see-through, and we're watching her. We can see... A blurred sort of uh, look at her her body, mm-hmm. and she's in a towel, and we see her in in a um, bra and knickers and such during this scene, and it's it's just very strange because yeah. she's suddenly sexualized without being sexual, like so as a character, we're like oh you you know we we look at her as a sexual object now, mm. even though she's just taken a shower yeah. Which everybody does every day. Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> uh, um, or a bath. <laughs> but this is, this is, it's so, it's weird and it's bad writing. It is. Um, Jamie senses Michael killing Max the dog. So she tells her friend Billy Hill with sign language. He turns around to alert someone. And Loomis is just standing there staring at him. Oh, yes. <laughs> Loomis calls Rachel to find out if Max is okay. She looks and notices that he's gone. So she leaves the house in a towel and gets the gardener next door to call the police. The police, uh, in a bizarre series of events, the police officers arrive with a comedic theme song. Like, it is literally like a sketch show. Yeah, I said, why the circus music? Yeah. The cops are there. And then, like, oh, well, we're here to rescue cats and save dogs. Oh, 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 oh we're stupid. <laughs> it's like that weird part of Last House well, on the Left. Apparently it was sent as a tribute to Last House on the Left. Oh, was it actually? Uh, apparently it did a trivia. Oh. 
I left it out because I, I wasn't sure how valid that is. But yeah. if that's true, then why? That's the worst part about Last House on the Left. Yeah, yeah. Like a pay tribute to the worst part of this film. They, um, yeah, they're just talking about rescuing cats and saving dogs. Max comes running back to Rachel. And then for the first of many times in this film, Loomis begins shouting in a child's face. <laughs> I am not kidding. I was concerned for the kids. It, it yeah. genuinely... He becomes the villain in this film. He does. More than Michael. And not even in a clever writing kind of way. Like, oh, he's so obsessed with me. He's became the villain. No, no. He's just a fucking weirdo. He's just really strangely <laughs> aggressive with children. He's like, ah, oh, Jamie! Ah, oh, Michael's gonna kill Rachel! <laughs> and then uh, he just shouts... He's just shouting random shit in her face. And then <laughs> Michael kills Rachel with a pair of scissors to the shoulder. Yeah. And Jamie has another seizure. Yeah. So, Jamie sensed that Max was in trouble, mm-hmm. but didn't sense that Rachel was in trouble in no. time. So, Rachel gets stabbed. Was it, is it scissors? Yes. Stabbed with scissors. And she's not in a towel anymore, though, is she? No. She's gotten chained. So, for me, it just doesn't sit well. Because, number one, you know, Rachel was a big part of the fourth film. Yeah. You know, having her... Uh, spoiler alert Tina dies later mm. Tina takes over the Rachel role everyone actually completely forgets Rachel existed yeah. until much later um, Tina takes over the Rachel role and Tina dies in the oh, end well it sounds like talking about Club 7 it does actually um, so you've killed Rachel to say oh my god everyone is you know um, capable of dying in this film Michael Myers doesn't care anymore. Okay, whatever. That's great. But it actually probably would have meant more emotionally later on Mm. because we've been with Rachel for two films now. But now we have this attachment with this Tina girl who we didn't see in the last film. You know, we didn't know who she is. Um, And it's just... It's just really bad. For me, that's just really it bad is. It, writing. It really is. Because it actually means nothing. And also, like I said earlier, she's for some reason been sexualized in this film. Yeah. Which makes it even worse because you've sexualized this character through no, you know, choices of her own. Mm-hmm. She's in the fucking shower. She's in her own home. She's in a towel, you know? But we're watching her. Mm-hmm. And then you kill her off. Yeah. I'm like, come on, like, can these films, please, we're in, what, 1989 by yeah. this point? Let's stop slut-shaming. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially, they're not even fucking sluts. Yeah. So, Loomis becomes aware of Jamie's psychic link with Michael and tries to convince Mika that Michael is still alive by giving him a speech about Michael's blank expression again. Yes. He then shows him his burnt hand. I prayed that he wouldn't burn in hell, but then I knew that hell would not have him. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Sam. <laughs> 26 years of him spouting this shit. Tina goes to Rachel's house and notices she's missing. Samantha shows up and gives her one good scare. <laughs> Michael stalks them and Jamie senses it. Tina suggests that Rachel may have gone somewhere with her friends. Yeah. Uh, that's what I heard. Is that right? That is correct. It makes no sense. So if Rachel has... So what I gather is that Tina doesn't actually live there. 
That's no. where Rachel lives. Yeah. But Tina and Rachel are friends. Yeah. Tina and Samantha have a strong connection with Jamie. Yeah. Because later on in the film, they're like, we've got to visit Jamie. We visit Jamie. You know, there was a... she. Yeah. Tina tells Jamie on a regular basis that she loves her. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a friendship there. Yeah. But for her to turn around and say, Rachel may have gone somewhere with her friends, that doesn't make any sense. Oh my God, do you think Tina was supposed to be Lindsay from part four I'm and they assuming, forgot her name? Yeah. They forgot her fucking name. <laughs> I mean, it would have made sense for her yeah. to be Lindsay from part four. They look very similar. They do. Um, we have a, con- a connection <laughs> with Lindsay from the first film because um, I know they said it wasn't, but it totally was. Um, but it's just, it's it's so shit. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Michael watches Jamie from the back of the clinic. She thinks he's inside and and that he's chasing her, but it's an electrician. And her and her nurse. I hate when that happens. Oh hey, Jamie! Oh Jamie! Oh Jamie! God. Yeah, she's having it up again. Loomis visits Jamie. <laughs> he's like, you got to help me, Jamie. You got to help me find him. We both know he's alive. Why, Jamie? Why? Why? You got to help me. What about your stepmother? He made you stab her. Fucking hell! So he starts yelling uh, about. A, he starts telling her about a grape bean dog about a fucking cemetery. And then the nurse comes and she's like, Dr. Loomis, leave the little girl alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, what's very strange is that suddenly this is when he starts yelling at her to find him. Yeah. I mean, he's been in a coma for the last year. <laughs> he's still been alive. Yeah, they you know, done... oh, come on, you know for a while Loomis has been doing this for a whole year. Yeah, like how, <laughs> how far down the river did he float? It's really not that far. They didn't find the body. All these times they don't find the body, I'm like, oh, whatever. It'll turn up somewhere. It's probably in the sea. It's, it's so funny. I mean, it's just... Uh, what was the director thinking? He uh, <laughs> wasn't. He clearly wasn't. Oh, yeah, Loomis. Act like a fucking psychopath every yeah. time you're near a kid in this film. It's a mess. It's a re- it's seriously a mess. Uh, speaking of a mess, the man in black gets off a bus and steps on a dog's tail. So the man in black is exactly how it sounds. He's a man with... A hat, uh, cowboy shoes, a uh, long black jacket, um, yeah, all in black, ugly leather pants. <laughs> ugly leather pants, they are ugly leather pants. Um, but yeah, he just comes out of nowhere, that's it, that's all we see. Yeah. No explanation, nothing. And to, to think that they actually had no idea anyway, what a random idea. Why, why would you not... Like, again, why is no one in the editing? Like, you've asked me to put this scene in, but it doesn't make any sense. Who yeah. is this person? Should I just cut it? Should I just cut the scene? It's fine. It's literally... It's not even that long of a scene. Yeah. Um, it's just... It's completely pointless. If you're not going to do anything with it, don't show it. Yeah. Yeah, somebody got paid. Uh, well, isn't it the same person that played Michael Myers? It's the same person that played Michael Myers, yeah. Well, yeah. got an extra payday. Loomis uh, visits what is supposed to be the Myers house. It's not even close <laughs> to looking like the Myers house. It looks like a haunted fucking castle. 
He starts calling out for Michael and having a conversation with him, despite the fact that he's not there. He's like, oh, Michael, I know you're there, my old friend. Oh, yes, you're going around stabbing the people again, you bastard. Oh. And he's like, okay, he's not Where there, Lucas. Where's that incarnation Hey, up, Michael. Hey, up, Michael. Have it. <laughs> Look, Sam, he's not there. Fucking Carby, what are you doing? He's lost his marbles, hasn't he? Tina's boyfriend, Mike... Um, oh, my God, this guy. He looks like a Grease reject. Um, a bit like Daniel O'Donnell as well. Daniel O'Donnell? <laughs> um, That's a reference. He uh, He's really uptight in cleaning his car. This will be yes. important soon. Uh, and he's fuming when Samantha's boyfriend goes near her. Yeah, so he's kind of he's weird in in the sense of he's the kind of actor that look like looks like he would play a nerdy character yeah um i, I mean it's quite nice that he's not playing to type you yeah know? um but it's kind of weird to see him in the marlon brando the wild one sort of get up <laughs> yeah and him being um a tough guy when he looks like revenge of the nerds yeah, so in the next scene, he's checking out a spot in his car mirror. So he, he's he's getting some beer. Um, yeah. He's parked so outside a shop. Samantha's boyfriend works at a shop. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to explain? Yeah, please. So he's parked outside. There's a party later. Everyone's really excited for it. <coughs> Excuse me. Samantha is really excited to be losing her virginity that evening. That's an important one. Obviously. Of course. So you know she's going to die. So, this Mike... It's very confusing because people call him Michael as well. It's like completely pointless. Um, it's, Just think of another it's name. It's a little in-joke, isn't it? Let's yeah, it so. is, but it's stupid. It is stupid. It is, it is stupid. If you're not going to do anything with it, just call him Greg. So I'm going to call him Greg. Greg decides to drive away, leaving the girls and Samantha's boyfriend at the shop. He drives round the corner, does a three-point turn, and pulls up outside the shop, the back of the shop. This is during the day. We then cut to night time, and Samantha's boyfriend is loading alcohol into the boot of Greg's car. Mm -hmm. Which, it feels like they... It's happening... And one after the other. Yeah. But it can't because it goes from day to night. So why why were we treated to the the shot of Greg doing a three point turn? It may yeah, it's so pointless. Like what was what's the fucking point? It's just a shot of this car. This is clearly the director's car. It's like, oh I need this in the film. Oh, Everyone God, needs yeah. to see this. <laughs> Look how great. It's probably the director driving it as well. Yeah. Look how great I can drive this car. It's not paid for this. Extra. <laughs> private lessons. So, <laughs> Mike is checking out a spot um, on his face in the car mirror. He is. Yeah, he is. When Michael shows up and scratches... Which one? Michael Myers scratches his car with a garden claw. <gasps> In the style of Freddy Krueger. I know, yeah, they just appear from nowhere. Yeah. In the style of Freddy Krueger, he does that. And then, whenever Michael tries to fight him, he stabs him in the head with it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the death of Michael. 
Yeah. And the thing is, he's quite rude to Tina. Yeah. Um, so you kind of wish he would get a bigger sort of death scene later on. He's mm-hmm. killed quite early on. Yeah. Um, considering he is an arsehole. Billy gives Jamie some flowers and a bracelet with his name on it for luck. It's a little uh, self-centred Billy. Um, so she gives him a kiss on the cheek. Aww. It's the goblin costume pageant. And, uh, it's the Billy what? Goblin costume pageant. Oh, is that what it was called? Yeah. Billy's dressed as a pirate and Jamie's dressed as a princess of some sort. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, anyway, as as we were saying when we were talking about Halloween 4, a performance in Halloween 4 is great. A performance in this is not. It's a little too much for her, I think. Yeah, this whole mute thing. There's too much very to necessary. do. Yeah, I think, I think it's too much for her, bless her. I mean, if the first film was her first film role, and this is her second film mm-hmm. role, um, I, think, I think it's just a little too much. I mean, she shouldn't do a terrible job. Um, she's she's not actually the worst. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but it's it's not it's yeah, it's it's a struggle. Uh, Michael Myers picks Tina up and poses as her Michael by wearing a mask that she had given to him earlier on. Um, so obviously she's there like, "Hey, Michael, Michael, Michael," and obviously, that's that's the joke. Hilarious. Um, and she says, I want you to know I just love barbaric men. And then gives him a kiss. Michael Myers gets a kiss. He does. Gets him going. Jamie senses this and uh, almost falls over the barrier at the top of the stairs. The man in black walks away from where Michael had his car parked. <laughs> the fuck? Tina's fuming with Michael and makes him stop off at the petrol station so she could get cigarettes. Yeah, so the idea is that he's not talking to her. Yeah. Um, and he, for some reason, Michael Myers allows her to go grab some cigarettes. Yeah. For some, I, I'm really it's, confused. It's dumb, but to be honest, I mean, I, a film where you're clutching at straws, I think this is probably my favourite scene. Yeah, yeah, it's quite tense. Um, yeah. Especially because we like Tina Absolutely. as well. Yeah, we, we do like Tina because she looks like Catherine Hahn. Everyone's trying to help uh, Jamie whilst Loomis starts screaming in her face about seeing if Tina's like, is, is Tina okay? Is Tina okay? It's like, excuse me, I'm trying to have a fucking seizure here. Can you fuck off? So Jamie starts describing a woman with cookies for tits at the side of a petrol station. <laughs> she does. It's like, big woman cookies. Big woman <laughs> Um, and the people at the clinic somehow immediately know where this is. They're like, yes, that's... Like, oh, I know, shit. big tip cookie woman. <laughs> so they send the police there to get Tina. Um, Tina arrives at the clinic, and now Jamie, after seeing Big Tit's cookie woman, is like, Tina! <laughs> and she could talk. She can. Inexplicably. She can. She's unmuted. Tina's like, say it again. I love it. Say it again. Uh, and and she, can, she can say every word now. Yeah. She's, that's it for the rest of the film. Um, can I just take a moment to say, fuck Rachel's drag. I know, yeah. No one <laughs> gives a flying fuck. And Max. Who's Max? The dog. Even you forgot. Max wasn't killed. When was Max killed? Well, With he appears Rachel. later on. And he barks as a corpse. 
<laughs> but seriously, fuck Rachel's drag. I know. Like, no, no one gives two shits. No. There was no psychic Rachel's in danger moment. Rachel said she was going to visit her in two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, no one's given a crap. No, no one. No. No one questions it. No, no one cares. Um, <laughs> Tina. <laughs> See, I thought, and just, just on the subject of Rachel, I thought that maybe it was an Adrian King sort of thing where she didn't, the original actress didn't want to do the whole film. Mm. So they did a Janet Lee with her sort of thing, even though it wasn't really a Janet Lee because she had barely any screen time. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently it was just, that's what the director thought yeah. would be a good choice. Apparently. To up the ante. Tina further proves herself as one of the best characters of the film and leaves poor traumatised Jamie so she could go and get a bit of dick. Yes, dick appointment. <laughs> She's like, yeah, fuck you, Jamie. You cry all you want, I'm going to go and get me some. Yeah, so, number one, <laughs> why would no one explain to Tina about Jamie's psychic connection with Michael? Wow. Which everyone, including the police, seems to believe. Well. You say this, Loomis tries stopping her, and that's clearly going to be his intention to start shouting at her about Michael Myers. Um, and she's <laughs> and she turns to him and says, "You know, you're really creepy, filling her mind with all that boogeyman crap." She's nine years old. Yeah, but <laughs> the police believe it. Yeah, like the police don't believe a lot in these films. This is the first time. <laughs> Every time Loomis has turned around and said, Michael's coming back, Michael's coming back, Michael's coming back. They're like, no, he's not. No, no, he's not. He's not. No, he's not. The moment he turns around and says, I think Jamie and Michael have a psychic connection. And Michael was the reason that Jamie stabbed her stepmother. So, yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. We, <laughs> when this child tells... Because no one, I mean... <clears throat> No, there was no explanation for why Tina's boyfriend, who everyone perceived to be Tina's boyfriend, drove off. No one seems yeah. to care about that. No. It's just so weird. Tina hasn't questioned... So, Tina hasn't turned around to say, so why did the police turn up? Like, why Why uh-huh. did they turn up? Um, and that's when someone would say, because Jamie has a psychic connection to Michael. Yeah. And she thought you were in danger. Mm-hmm. And... Then Tina would put two and two together and be like, oh, he was very quiet. Yeah. And he wore a mask. So I wonder if my boyfriend's in danger. But no. Um, <laughs> Dr. Loomis tells her... Sorry, it's just shit like this really pisses me off. <laughs> Dr. Loomis tells her to be sensible and she runs away and says, I've never been sensible my whole life! <laughs> Loomis orders the cops to follow Tina and like, oh, what orders? My fucking order, get after her now! So they, yeah. So they give her a lift to the Halloween party. Aww. Now the Halloween Tower party Farm. is at Tower Farm, even though previously discussed was the fact that they had Rachel's house completely free <laughs> for the whole weekend. Yeah. So I don't understand why the party. So the suggestion was the party was going to be at Rachel's house, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's at Tower Farm. Yeah, because the filmmakers probably lost access to that house <laughs> maybe Jamie goes missing so Loomis grabs the nearest child he can find and aggressively removes her Halloween mask to see if it's her oh my the kid's like ah! it's like hey 
so that it's like a weird. <laughs> it's like an older woman playing a child again. You know that <laughs> kind of voiceover. Hey! <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so he makes the kid cry by grabbing her. He's so aggressive. Um, but it turns out Jamie and Billy have gone to the farm to find Tina. Tina, Samantha and Spitz. What a stupid name. Um, oh, yeah. Wearing, uh, Spitz wearing a Michael Myers mask, pranks the cops and run away, discovering lots of kittens in the process. Yeah, so, number one, why, well, why would they play a Michael Myers prank on the cops? Number one... The police have been known to throw dynamite at Michael Myers. So they ain't... They're going to shoot straight away. Like, I mean, if they think you're Michael Myers and you're about to kill someone, they're going to shoot you. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. Why would you play that prank Mm -hmm. on the police? Well, poor Ben Tramer. You got fucking drove into a van. Exactly. Number two, they're close to Jamie. They're constantly... I love you, Jamie. We'll come and visit... Jamie's life was ruined by Michael Myers. <laughs> Why would they think that was the prank to play? I know. Yeah. It's really, it's highly inappropriate. Yeah. Like, ser- seriously, even though Jamie's not there, mm-hmm. you still you show a bit of fucking respect. Yeah. So. <laughs> also, sorry, they really need to stop selling those masks. I know, yeah. They really yeah. Need to and it's always the the mask is always matching the one that he's gonna wear that year. Exactly. Like it's the latest brand of Michael Myers. Brand. Get your chic Michael Myers mask now. You know, they ain't ordering it online. It's at the local shop. Yeah. Stop selling that mask. <laughs> Highly inappropriate. <laughs> so Samantha and Spitz have sex in the barn. Danielle Harris off screen watching. Is that what they have? (laughs) It certainly doesn't feel like. Fully clothed. (laughs) Fully clothed. Um, Apart from Spitz. Yeah, he's got his top off, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, So they're getting it on. Michael shows up, uh, impales Spitz with a rake, and decapitates Samantha with a scythe. Where the fuck did he get a scythe from? They're a farm. I suppose. Just whatever's handy. He's gone... The thing is, he's gone full Jason How is he carrying now. both? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's gone full Jason now. Yeah. So it's like he just gets these weapons <laughs> just appearing appear. from nowhere. Um, do, do you know this... The, the whole barn scene, there's a lot of talk about cats and why someone hates cats. Mm-hmm. There's a whole box of kittens. I don't know why the box of kittens is there. It's really... I, I don't understand... Well, at least the kittens survive. Why? Yeah, of course. But why would you put that in the... Like, it's so random. Yeah. Tina finds the bodies and goes to one nearby police, um, but the comedic police are dead. And yes. killed off screen. Which probably is what should have happened to the police in Last House on the Left. It's true. Tina flees. Jamie and her friend Billy arrive, uh, and Michael starts chasing Tina in Mike's car. <laughs> Michael then begins chasing Jamie in Mike's car, but crashes into a tree. Of all the weapons for Michael Myers to use... Now, it's like, where did he get a scythe from? Where did he get this from? Where did he get that from? This is not the Michael Myers from the first film. Why is he trying to run people (laughs) over? It's so weird. He hits Billy. Like... Yeah. He's meant meant to be a stalker. He's meant to be... A predator. 
who takes it slow and catches you off guard and, mm-hmm. st- you know, stalks you. Not drives a fucking car into... It's so weird. And a fancy car at that. A very fancy car. Very nice. Um, Tina sacrifices herself to allow Jamie and Billy time to escape. She gets killed by Michael. Which, if that was Rachel, would have meant a lot. Yeah. Lewis arrives and gives the kids a jump scare. Jamie finally agrees to help him stop Michael for good. And what ensues is a very weird, why did, very was it long... why she refused to before? I mean, because he's fucking nuts. But, but the whole emphasis was... So, so he said, are you going to help me? Are you going to help me stop him? Are you going to help me stop him? But I don't remember a time when she turned around and said, I'm not going to help That's you. true. <coughs> That's true. It's, but it's made like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So... Oh. So... Um, Lewis starts talking to the woods uh, as if they were Michael and he's like go home Michael I'll be waiting for you and sh- and then if you go there you'll find her waiting for you it's like, okay you can say your name Lewis come on um, who? Jamie <laughs> so her she'll be there <laughs> that bitch so with Jamie's help, Loomis and Mika have created a setup at the Myers haunted castle to lure him back to his abandoned childhood home. Jamie, in real bad taste, sits in Judith's mirror brushing her hair <laughs> with her clothes on. It's a ch- with, with her clothes. Yeah. On. Yeah. Um, suddenly, the police receive a call saying Michael has broken into the clinic, which prompts Mika and most of the officers to leave. <laughs> Fucking idiots! Like, seriously. The whole police force go there. Clearly, it's a setup. Yeah. So, yeah, leaving Loomis with Jamie is a terrible idea. Terrible. He starts by saying, Now you'll come, won't you, Michael? Jesus Christ. This poor kid is in danger from two psychopaths right now. Looking if she's got Charlie the cop there with her. And he's like, Come on, yeah, this is fucking disgusting. You're going home. So, he tries to take Jamie home. Loomis comes in, locks the fucking door, smashes Charlie's radio, and points his gun at Charlie. Yeah. Who's Charlie? The police officer. Oh, okay. The one trying to help Jamie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm just, I'm getting a little confused now. I'm, I'm struggling to remember this part. <laughs> yeah, this is a slog to sit for. This is fucking slog. I'm sorry. I've got a few <laughs> notes, but I didn't get Charlie down. <laughs> Michael appears and kills the trooper sitting outside um, before entering the house. Loomis tries to reason with him by talking shit about the rage. Thankfully, Michael slashes him and throws him over the stair banister. But it's not the end of him just yet. The rage carry too. Yeah. Oh. He's like, Michael, you know it's a superior sequel. And Michael's like, no, it's fucking not. And kills him. Um, but doesn't kill him. Michael kills Charlie by hanging him before chasing Jamie through the house for what feels like about two hours. Oh, my God. Yes. We've just had a fucking massive chase scene. Yeah. Jamie hides in the laundry chute. She's forced to abandon it. Michael stabs and injures her. Fleeing upstairs, she finds the bodies of Max the dog. <laughs> when she finds Max, the dog swings towards the camera. It's like, wow. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> Uh, Rachel and Mike are also there. And uh, it's Jamie and I'm like, who the fuck is Mike? Like, <laughs> Yeah, she wouldn't he she wouldn't know who Mike was, would she? No, not really. No, she wouldn't be familiar with T because no. he wouldn't have visited her. No. Um but she's Rachel. 
In a bizarre series of events, Michael finds Jamie and attempts to kill her, but stops when she says, Uncle Boogeyman, Uncle Boogeyman, he removes his mask and starts crying. Michael Myers, <sighs> death, the, the, you know, the characterization of death, evil the evil eyes, the darkest eyes. You know, the, the, he's just evil. He's not human. The, the worst put human being on the planet. He cries because she calls him Uncle Boogeyman. <clears throat> to anyone who hasn't seen this film, it's going to sound like we're making this shit up. Yeah, it does. We're not. This is the absolute truth. This actually happens. It's ridiculous. He cries at his psychically connected niece because she calls him Uncle Boogeyman. The daughter he never had. But he draws a line. She goes to touch his face and he goes into a fit of rage and starts chasing her again. But Jamie comes across Loomis. Loomis has, at this point, I, I, I think even Donald Pleasant's lost his mind. Yeah. Because this is ridiculous. He grabs her and starts using her as bait for Michael Myers. He's like, you want her? Here she is. Little girl. Come get her. Let's play a game. Catch the little girl. And then lures Michael Myers into a trap and shoots him with a tranquilizer gun. <coughs> she using her as bait? Yeah. Um, it, 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 which she probably should have done from the beginning anyway. Poor Danielle Harris at this point. Uh, she's just being thrown around by Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Um, this doesn't work though and Loomis begins beating Michael unconscious with a wooden plank while shouting, Die! 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 Until he eventually suffers from a stroke and claps on top of Michael. Yes. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to say. That's what happens. That that that's what happens in this film. Mika and the rest of the police return shortly thereafter and Michael is taken into custody. <laughs> With his mask on. With his mask on. <laughs> With his mask on. Mika assures Jamie that Michael, who is sitting chained up in a cell, looking bored out of his mind, that he will remain in prison until he dies. Jamie doesn't believe him and says, Michael will never die. Okay, number one, why is he wearing his mask in a jail cell? <laughs> like, seriously, you deserve that circus music. Police officer, why would you not take his mask off? I bet he's still got his knife with him as well. Probably. <laughs> And number two, why would you bring the little girl to the jail? Ah, look at, look, look, there he is. There he is. Do you want to come watch? <laughs> There's Uncle Boogeyman. There's Uncle Boogeyman. <laughs> Say goodbye. One of the officers, <laughs> one of the officers goes to bring Jamie home, but in a bizarre series of events, the man in black arrives and causes an explosion at the police station. <gasps> dun, dun. The officer, hearing gunfire, rushes back inside after warning Jamie to stay with the car. When the officer doesn't return, Jamie goes back inside to investigate and finds the station destroyed from the explosion, along with Mika and several other dead police officers. Jamie discovers Michael's cell empty and the back door of the police station broken open, causing her to break down in tears as she realises Michael is free again. The end, thank God. Abysmal. 
And it really is, it's awful. <laughs> really, really bad. Really bad. And I thought that before analysing it for the podcast. Just really, really shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's 80% trash in a piece until we watch Jamie running around a house for three hours. Oh, you think trash to piece? Yeah, come on. Watching Donald Pleasant shouting at kids is fucking funny. That is, that is true, I suppose. And Michael Myers crying. Uh, yeah. I suppose the best part is, uh... Hey, oh! <laughs> that is the best part. Um, yeah, there's very little redeeming... There's, very little redeeming factors about no, it. No, no analysis necessary. It's just shit. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely one of the worst. Um... <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? It's not even the worst one. That's the shocking part. I've just sat here and I said, this is shit. It's crap. I wouldn't recommend watching it to uh, anyone. But it's actually not the worst one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, best kill. I've got Michael kills Michael. Uh. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Because, I mean, it could have been the scythe if we actually saw what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it, it's not... It's... It's it's quite a dry film, isn't it? It's not the most. Yeah. Or am I misremembering? No, you're right. Um, too, too caught up in the fucking convoluted plot. For uh, one good scare, I got Michael pretending to be Michael. Um, if it was Ronald Reagan, it would have been scarier. But I agree. Uh yeah, <laughs> I mean the mask. It it looks quite creepy and. You know, when he's gripping the steering wheel, when she keeps talking to him, it's like, oh, God, you're in danger, girl, and you have no fucking idea. So the only good executed scene in the film. Most likable character, Tina. Um, yeah, I suppose. I felt bad for Rachel. Bless yeah, just don't get enough of her, though. No, Tina, yeah, good old Tina. Most unlikable character is absolutely Dr. Loomis. Oh my god, he is the villain of the piece. He shouldn't be allowed near children. No. It's shocking. It, it really is. He should, he should not have been allowed anywhere near that children's home. No. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, poor Donald Pleasance. I don't know what happened to him at that point in his career. Um, awesome. <laughs> he just uh, wanted some money for his... Kids, if he had kids. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, if he had kids, then for his legacy. So, initially we planned for to discuss all three films, but there's simply too much to talk about. There is. Because uh, with Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, we don't just have a film to discuss, we have a bizarre backstory of uh, all the troublesome productions and... The producer's cut, when you know, we've got comparisons to that. So, we're going to give it its own episode. I mean, admittedly, we probably should have given the first film its own episode, but we'll give this one its own episode. There's a lot to discuss, uh, and we'll leave it here for today. But we will be releasing part two of the Fawn Trilogy, part three of Michael Myers Through the Years, on Friday. So... Uh, if you're on social media, tell us what you think of 4 and 5. We are Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Dad at Gaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram, Twitter 
and Letterboxd. Rate, review and subscribe on iTunes and like and follow on everything else. So yes, Friday we'll be back with the part two of the Fawn Trilogy, Halloween The Curse of Mark Myers. And of course, a week today we'll be back with Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection. Ooh. Bye. <laughs> no, <laughs> hang oh. on. I haven't said my piece yet. We'll see you same time. Oh, no, yeah. we won't. No, we'll see you on Friday. Yeah. We'll see you on Friday. See ya. You sense something? Tell me what you know. I prayed that he would burn in hell, but in my heart, I knew that hell would not have him. Halloween 5, rated R, starts Friday, October 13th at theaters everywhere.